Thank you for joining us this week on The Grill Podcast. My name is John King. I'm the host of the agronomy segment. Today, joining me with the podcast, we have Dan Bjorklund for Grill Agronomy and Precision Lead to talk about the exciting research we've done this past year at our research plants at Farnhamville, as well as to talk about what we're looking at next year, both within our high-yield learning group and kind of the research stuff that we're going to do at Farnhamville to really dive in deep and learn about some of these new diseases that we're capturing out in the field. We'll also be joined by members of the team from Tyrannus to discuss the capabilities of their new program and how it is really going to change the game for scouting across your field to make you more efficient in finding diseases, weeds, nitrogen deficiencies, nutrient deficiencies all across the board um, to really make you more efficient with what you're doing. When you think about all the ground that you're covering, it really does take quite a bit of labor to get across this. So they've got some really unique technology and we'll have a video that'll be in the show notes to really show you what that looks like. So leading off as usual, we're going to dive into the business side of the agronomy business. And we're going to spend a little bit of time on this, but not a ton. It is today, March 22nd. And last night was my first time of of presenting in front of the connector events. So if you're listening to this and we still have some connector events and you want to hear about a little bit more deep dive into it, make sure you come down to Des Moines and see us. But I talked a lot about last night, a little bit of about um, the fertilizer outlook for fall, where prices are at today and kind of where I see that going. And we talked about chemical resets um, and what we can see already coming to that market. We talked a lot about the tightness and fungicides and how that's not going to change both this year or next year, as well as, you know, what the overall picture is going to look like next year on a branded versus generic chemical standpoint. So, you know, kind of starting with where we're at in the fertilizer markets, the chemical markets here today, prices have been on a steep decline the last 60 days. I think I talked a little bit about it the last time we were on the podcast is completely driven off of European energy markets. So for those of you at home that want to know what the correlation is or what nitrogen prices are doing, look no no further than Dutch TTF natural gas prices. So today they're trading at probably two-year lows. Um, a lot of that has to be, if if you've been following it, the Europeans are seeing the second warmest winter in European history. So when you think about it, you think back to December, November, we're sitting here, European gas at $40, $50 an MBTU. And oh, by the way, we haven't even got to winter yet. Um, you know, this kind of looks like a train wreck coming. And the whole market was waiting for that train wreck to happen. And then it never happened because they didn't need to consume the amount of natural gas that they have in the years past uh, to, you know, from a standpoint of industrial demand, production for heating and, and so on and so forth. They also moved a lot of their consumption over to coal. So, you know, when they were looking at how do we conserve as much natural gas as possible, they were trying to, you know, use a little bit more coal production and, and things like that to really mitigate their need for Russian imported natural gas. Also with when you look at what how high the prices were in Europe, they shut in a lot of production from the standpoint of industrial. So you've had many companies over the last year announce shutdowns, exits from the business. BASF came out, I don't know how long ago it was, but it wasn't maybe two months ago and announced that, you know, they're shutting down two of their plants in Europe that will never produce again. They're just closing them up because they're not cost efficient. They're not going to have the ability to compete in the world market going forward. So when you look at that, you know, those are the things that are really driving the market today. And that's why we've seen a steep decline in prices. Also, when you look at the P&K side, we're seeing some decline in prices primarily because of demand destruction. So I've talked a lot about it. High prices cure high prices. And the reason they cure high prices is because they kill demand. So you think about it, if gas tomorrow in the United States went to $7 a gallon, people are going to drive less. I've talked to a lot of people, you know, that took their kids on spring break and they decided to drive this year. 
Well, that's because a plane ticket was $1,200 to $1,300 a round trip per person. And for a family of five, they decided, well, I can drive for $400. I think that makes a lot more sense. So, you know, when you look at it, eventually the, the market's going to price itself out at some point, And that's what we've seen happen. When we look to fall, we're going to see prices lower than they've been in two years. And we're not going to be touching the lows that we saw back in 2020, but we're going to transition to prices that were probably around the fall of 21 that were a lot more affordable, you know, $400-ish range for potash. Phosphate still yet to be determined, but pretty affordable. Ammonia might have a six in front of it retail-wise. So, you know, big changes there that we'll see. Um, and that's also going to translate as well into the chemical markets. When you look to be spraying for spring of 24, you're going to be looking at glyphosate in the teens or low 20s, uh, glufosinate significantly lower. And in general, when I look at the biggest thing that are going to have to be made for decisions on the farm, you know, to next spring, it's really going to be the branded play versus the generic play. The generic market today is really looking at a, a big reset this summer. Some of the supply tightness that's happened in the market is really um, transitioning to where we have more supply. When you look at the branded products, the Bayers, the Cortevas, Ingenas, BASF, a lot of these companies are publicly traded companies. Okay, The last thing that those companies want to go and pitch to their shareholders after the run that we've had is, hey guys, we're going to have lower prices on seed and chem. That'll be an immediate uh, dive in stock price and share price. And again, when you're a publicly traded company, that's the last thing you want to see. So be prepared, get yourself in the mindset, be having the conversations around it. If you can try some of the new, some generic alternatives this year to see what the performance is like, I think it's going to be important to be in the mindset that that's going to be a bigger play next spring than it was even this year. And then lastly, when you're really looking at the, you know, diving into the business side of the agronomy business, branded fungicides. We're going to talk a little bit about tar spot with Dan here in a minute. As we have a lot, we've we've really stressed this topic here the last six months because of what we saw last year. You know, one thing I'd say is if you were wanting to spray Altima, Trivapro, Mirvis Neo, Delaro, Delaro Complete, on down the line, the three-mode fungicides, everything that's, I'm going to call it kind of the hot fungicides in the market, be prepared. They're really hard to come by today. I mean, we have some length here at Landis that we have left to sell, but it's not an abundant amount. So, you know, if you're... If you're concerned about that or you haven't been able to lock any of that in, you know, I would say this is probably the last time I'm going to stress it within the podcast or in a lot of the conversations I've had because it's it's not going to be readily available by the time we get to June or July. You're going to have to look at a generic alternative or an off-brand alternative or something that's a little bit older technology at that point. I'm not saying that it won't work. Something's better than nothing. But, you know, if, if your plan has always been to use one of those premium products, you need to have a conversation with your local retailer or, or us here at Landis about um, what the availability is of their supply and how you get it. You know, it's starting to become a little bit more well-known. Delaro Complete is going to be in very, very tight supply. Bayer came out February 1 and basically said that they're not going to be able to fulfill any bulk or tote orders of Delaro Complete due to formulation issues. It's only going to come in two and a half jugs. Our initial allocation has been very low. I'm going to guess that it's going to relate to a lot of the other retailers in the market um, just due to overall supply. They do have good supply of Delaro, straight Delaro. But, you know, if you haven't heard from your local retailer about the situation on Delaro Complete, it would be a good thing to reach out to them and ask them what the supply looks like if you've had it booked or if you need to make changes. And again, not trying to scare anybody, but it is the reality of the situation today. 
and needs to be something that needs to be brought up or at least make sure you're aware of. Kind of pivoting now, we're going to talk about some fun stuff with Dan. And Dan has been traveling all over the, the Midwest and, and in different parts of the United States, learning this winter about different new products that are coming, companies, what they're doing. He attended an innovation summit for our IEP owners down in Arizona. So we've really been focused on sending Dan to learn more about what are the new things in agronomy that we can bring back to Iowa and really play a key uh, benefit for our members. So Dan, as always, good to have you here, buddy. I think we're going to start the segment off a little bit by talking about the Farmville Research Plot. So anybody that's not aware of that, at our Farmville main location, we've got 160 acres there that we have dedicated toward truly doing research. And when I say research, everybody talks about plots, uh, you know, and Matt, Matt talked about it last night, you know, the hot plot days where you're out there picking ears and looking at stuff. And yes, that's maybe a little bit old school, but it's still important to what we do from learning. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what we found last year that was significant to also what we're really going to focus on next year to really gain understanding, provide information on products or processes that work that we're seeing within the market. So Dan, fire away on what we found last year, my man. Well, we had a tremendous number of plots last year. One of my favorite ones was we were looking at nitrogen rates by hybrid to see if there was a difference. So we looked at rates and then we also looked at timing, fall versus spring. We used two different genetics. We're not going to go into the weeds on this. If you have any questions on this, you can talk to your Landis account lead because they have that information. Bottom line is we did find that some hybrids could get the same yield as a different genetic style with 50 pounds less nitrogen, which is what we wanted to test because we talked about genetics and genetic families over the time, but we, we were able to provide statistical uh, information. And John, I want to differentiate what we're doing versus those plots that you're talking yep. about. When I think, think that's important. A, when you think of a plot in the past, we had like maybe 30 feet for each entry by a thousand feet long. So you're talking about maybe seven tenths of an acre. We go through and we take a way wagon and we measure that and we get one data point mm -hmm. for, for that area. What we're doing this year is we're taking data points spatially every second as we go through with, 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 with combines. combines that we have today. So instead of one data point for trial at Farnhamville, we get several hundred. Mm -hmm. So instead of having an average of everything together and you get one shot and you don't know what impact at one end of the field was on the other, you're getting a much better statistical uh, analysis. And, and that's how we found the difference uh, in the nitrogen. And when you're looking at biologicals, which I've been at Landis 15 months now, and I bet you we've taught, I mean, I don't want to exaggerate, but it's been 50, 60, 70 companies. It's a lot of companies. And they call every week. And everybody has three to five bushels more yep. than everyone else. So how do you test it? Well, this brings me back to our first podcast we ever did. It was about biologicals, right? Yeah. We talked was, about that. The Wild West. The wow. Wild West and biologicals. And I mean, Dan is so right in this. The farmer needs a partner on really understanding what these technologies are. And that's what we've, that, that's what we did last year. That's what we're going to continue to do. You know, a key distinction here is that when you think of biologicals, people think about bugs in the jug. Yep. Those are live uh, microbes that, Yes, you want you want to soil apply them, you want to get them on the plant, you want them to do what they're going to do. I mean, the very first one that we used for the last several decades was Bridgerizobium on soybean and I it was it was it was live. 
Today, we're looking at products that are biostimulants. Mm -hmm. they're, they're the byproduct of what that biological species was. Those go on the plant and they do the same thing, but you don't have to keep them alive. Yep. You've got more, you've got the regular biologicals, and then you've got microalgae. Yes, yes. that yep. will feed the, uh, the, uh, the natives. The bottom line with all this, yeah, to avoid being confused about it, is that you need good, solid data, and you need, you need a lot of it. And that's what we're doing at Farmville. Uh, this year, we have uh, trials very specifically pointed to some of these biological products. We kind of like the biostimulants, yep. John. The, those products that you put on that mimic what that live micro was doing but you, you have a much better shelf life. Yeah, and I think, you know, from where we're going with our company and then last podcast, we talked about our expansion at Boone, our ability to really become, I'm not going to say a manufacturer, but a buyer of technology that then formulated into our products on a wide array, whether it's liquid AMS, whether it's a true foliar, starters. But the thing that I'm excited about with what we've researched, and again, we've sent Dan to North Carolina, we've sent him to Texas, we've sent him to uh, Arizona, he's been to California. Um, to really learn and understand better what, you know, when you think about it, you know, we're dealing with corn and soybeans, but you get out to Arizona, California, where they're dealing with high specialty crops, you know, there's always something to learn from those companies that are doing different things. And, you know, there's a lot of data going into what these companies are finding. So Dan, tell them a little bit about when you went out on your one trip, we won't get too specific where it was at just because we want to kind of, we're doing some more analysis on it, but what you were finding from that company on just the uniqueness and the technology that they're coming with. Um, they, were, they were looking at a biostimulant that you would apply to the root system, to the soil. And we don't talk about this enough, John, but the key part of getting good yield is what happens right around that root hair, yep. which is the rhizosphere. And again, we haven't talked about it much, but the plant actually will put an exudate out uh, of its root and it will acidify around that root hair and that's what allows you to take in things like phosphorus mm -hmm. because the pH can have such a big impact especially in our high pH soils we have in the, in the Des Moines Lobe. Well they had a product that they were testing this and they had two plants with root systems growing in a neutral pH gel. Yep. They applied the biostimulant and where they applied it you could see the roots had this yellow glow of acidification, which was providing more uptake of the phosphorus. We're gonna be able to show that in some of our trials um, this summer and, and next winter of what uh, these products do, but it was fascinating. So it wasn't just that they were showing us, hey, we got three to five bushels more. They were looking at the why. Yep. Why do we get that? Yep. And not a lot of people talk about that. So that's part of what, it, it was a fantastic, Took three months. Well, and and I've been to the same place Dan's been, and and just seeing that the true technology. I mean, it's not somebody making stuff in their bathtub and kind of seeing what comes out of it from, you know, previous years past of some understanding. I mean, they are literally trying to find new innovative products that they can take to the EPA, get a registration for this, and then you know bring it to to life with new products. And you know, I think the biggest thing from some of the partnerships I've been on, it's it's going to be the biostimulant rank. Uh, segment, the, you know, the PGR segment, which is somewhat developed today, amino acids, different stuff like that, that are really going to, I mean, the, the new frontier is coming. I'm going to say that companies that were kind of a flash in the pan with $7 corn will get weeded out because they're not going to have the research that these other companies truly have. And that's the biggest thing to me is 
some of the key companies that are really looking at this, I mean, they have scientists on staff that every day, this is what they're doing. They're trying to find new ways into the market. So along with that, kind of about what Dan was talking about as well on the, um, you know, back to the Farmville plots around the nitrogen, you know, hybrids by nitrogen by hybrid. Right. Um, we will post that in the show notes as well. We have some really good presentation on what that looks like from the data we are capturing and how we are in analyzing that. So we'll put that in as kind of a, an opportunity for everybody to look at. I'm going to tell you right now, Brad Sherwin does a lot of the data analysis on that. It will look confusing. It is very data-driven around statistics and what the statistics mean and um, as he's getting it off the machine, but it's very interesting on what we're finding. Um, and, and like Dan talked about, it's not like we're taking a way wagon out there and saying, all right, guys, <laughs> we succeeded. Um, no, it's really looking at, you know, how do we clean the data? How do we really look at it from a true standpoint of equals and and understand the the true probability of these products working in large field trials? And the nice thing about having the Farmville research plot, plot and we're going to kind of lead into what we're looking at for next year is we can apply concepts and products on a small scale, see what it looks like, and then then take and apply them on on a bigger range right. of uh, variables. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we're looking at next year at Farmville. Then we're also going to talk about how we're going to integrate that within our high yield learning group and the drone that we purchased. And we'll get some pictures of that that people can see. We'll put a link to the DJI website so you guys can kind of see what that looks like in action. So Dan, let's talk a little bit about what we're going to research this year and the why. Well, you know, you think about it, we've done an excellent job over the last 10 to uh, 15, 20 years of raising yields up in those high yield areas to 250 to 275. We've done a great job of looking at the macronutrients, um, the secondary nutrients, the micronutrients. How do you get to 300 plus rounds? That was the whole thing we were talking about with doing high yield learning groups is to try to get to 300 bushel average. I think we found that this whole biological arena, what's going on below ground is really critical to yep. that. And um, so we've mentioned some of it. Um, with the various trips we had around the country this year, we initially had 35 different products that we screened down to about 15. And the whole idea is these were the ones that looked like they had the highest potential to have impact. So we're going to be able to precisely apply these products in replicated trials, looking at hundreds of data points rather than one per plot, like we were talking about. And we got some very sophisticated drones, spray drones, yep. that we purchased this year to actually use at Farnamville uh, to be able to do that. So the biological market will be big. There are a lot of products. We're, we're going to focus on the biostimulants because we think that has the best ability to go from manufacture to uh, application without losing the efficacy of those live microbes. And some of that is, I don't want to get into this in too much depth, but some of the companies out there that are promoting their products like for nitrogen efficiency, they're using live microbes. And my big question is how many of those microbes are alive from the time that you produce it Yeah, true. to apply it to actually having to do uh, what, it, what it's going to do. And we're, we're going to test those products too. Well, and I think the biggest thing with those products too is they're pretty costly. I mean, you're, you're making an investment on a cost breaker. And again, they're telling you can decrease something and still use it and gain the same benefit. But, you know, a lot of what we've keyed in on are products that one makes sense. Okay. From the application, like how do we physically apply this and get it to the plant? And two, they're not a huge barrier from an ROI standpoint. 
You know, you're talking about you got to have a half a bushel yield on beans to make it work. You know, those things to me, when the commodity markets, unfortunately, will eventually go back to a level that's a little bit tougher to stomach than what we're at today. The products that are 20 to $25 an acre today are going to be the first ones weeded out because their ROI has to be there to justify using it versus if you're looking at a 4 to $6 per acre program, you know, you still have to have an ROI, but the reality of that ROI coming true to me seems a little bit greater. Dan, talk a little bit about the tar spot plot that we're going to have. So we're going to have, what, 64 acres of tar spot research at Farnamville. Maybe bring everybody in a little bit in the loop on what we're doing with that. Well, what we found last year is tar spot started in the Northeast, and I spent August, September, and October basically scouting fields for tar spot. And, and it was in our Northeast BU from, you know, uh, Hampton all the way up to New Hartford, Dyke, in that area. But as we got into September, you could go into any field anywhere in Iowa and find tar spot. It came in late, so we didn't have as much yield impact, but the inoculant is there yep. now. So what we're doing at Farnamville uh, with those 64 acres is we want to look at timing. Yep. We want to look at uh, product. Yeah, d different, different products. We want to look at the three ways that you talked about. Yep. And we also are looking at hybrids. The hybrids and then the whys mm -hmm. uh, these products work. Is it uh, is it the triazole uh, part of that formulation? Is it the strobe yep. part of that formulation? We have some ideas. We've talked about this. We're going to test it, and with enough data points, it's all about the number of data points. You want hundreds and thousands of data points rather than 15, 20, or 30. And, John, I hate to say it, but in meeting with many, many companies over the last three months, when they would give us their data, their data was maybe based off of two or three states, maybe three locations, four reps. It does give you an indication. We want to take that and do hundreds and thousands of data points. So we'll start at Farnhamville, uh, but through the learning group, which you talked about, we have over 11,000 acres signed up, mm. and it's the key part of being a member of the, of the learning group is to do trials. So we'll do trials you know, field scale yep. as well. Well, and I think the biggest thing in, in kind of rounding up here, you know, to kind of talk about it, what we'll do too is at either in this this month's show notes or maybe even next month's, we'll kind of put a, a true overhead look at where, what we're doing for every plot at Farnaville and kind of where they reside. So if you're in the neck of the woods and you want to kind of go through it and walk out on your own or grab Dan or grab Dave or grab Brad and go through it, you'll be able to kind of know what you're looking for. Also, we're going to have a, a big focus on microfoliars, biological foliars, both on corn and beans as well as we're going to have, I think it's 20 acres dedicated to how do we get 400 bushel corn, right? And it's it's really going to be a fun thing. And we're going to post everything we did to that crop throughout the year to really give you an idea of, you know, what the results were. So it'll be kind of a fun thing, both for us and for the farmers that get to enjoy it. And then, you know, within the high yield learning group, we're definitely going to be using some of that ground that's in, you know, really production agriculture to look at different things that we can do um, to increase yield, you know, on everybody's acres that they're doing. The best part about it with the drone is the fact that we can go out and hit 20 acres without having to grab the Hagee that, believe it or not, cost a ton of money to take from, you know, spraying the entire field and, and trying to get stuff done for the, the farmers that we service. We can kind of do this on our own and really use it for a trial basis. So those will be heavily used probably around that Dyke, New Hartford area, yeah. a little bit in Rake, um, probably not quite as much up there just due to trying to get up there. Um, but for sure in that 
uh, Farnaville early area um, where we've got them. You know, if you if you know Adam Schleisman, call Brad, call Dave, um, call those guys if you got some ideas around something you would like to see on some of your ground. So uh, pivoting, we're gonna we're gonna bring the team in from Tyrannus and we're gonna talk about uh, really what their capabilities are and and how we've partnered with them. I've got my team members here, and I want you guys to kind of introduce yourself so that uh, listeners kind of get to know who you are and, and, and what you do for Tyrannus. Sounds great. Thanks, John. Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm Sarah Betzold, and I'm the director of the U.S. West, west of the Mississippi. Um, I live in southeast Minnesota, so not terribly far from your geography here. And we have regional sales managers on my team from Fargo out to Colorado all the way down to uh, Lubbock, Texas. Awesome. So I uh, work with that team. Awesome. Yeah, I'm Randy Schlaughter. So I'm the vice president of sales for the entire United States. So we've got Sarah on the west and then Scott Trebovich on the east and building out the, the sales team as we should be. So how old of a company is Tyrannus? So kind of explain to us a little bit of the origin story or, you know, what you've seen. We talked a little bit about it before we kind of started started the segment, but on, you know, what Tyrannus is and how it came to be. Yeah, so uh, the the founders, right, uh, Al and uh, Ophir um, were working in Israeli intelligence and trying to figure out how to use acquisition of targets and facial recognition and, and how to use AI and then can we apply that into agriculture? Yep. Um, and so, uh, you know, we've, we've gone from facial recognition to bug recognition. Yep. And, uh, you know, take take that same type of technology and apply it to, to the fields. And so the company started roughly three, four, five years ago, or how, how long has Tyrannus really been in business? Yeah, there's really a, a pre-2020 Tyrannus okay. and yep. a post-2020 Tyrannus. So the commercial offering that we've got now has been around since 2020. Okay. So um, before that, it was a lot of trying to come up with enough images uh, to train the AI on on how to recognize the, the various pests and diseases. But post-2020 is really a retailer-focused mm -hmm. commercial offering. Yep. So Tyrannus is here to help retailers, um, and, and the focus is with retailers to help those customers that are their customers as well. So Awesome. Awesome. You know, and I think what's, you know, exciting for me, and I've seen the, obviously I've seen the technology a lot because that's why you guys are here. And um, they're one of the main partners with us in our innovation center here in Des Moines. So again, I'm going to plug it. If you, if you're listening to this and you still have opportunity to get down to the Des Moines connector, make sure you come down, come see it. Um, I think you guys are going to be here this summer as well, or anytime if you're around the Des Moines office, come down and see what they have. We're also going to put in the, in the show link, a, a little bit of a video that uh, Nicole's done for us for people to kind of see and demonstrate what it is. And for those listening, you got about 20 days to get signed up because we're going to have to get ready for the flights. But, uh, you know, what I think is really important to me when I looked at it is, and kind of thinking back to the military background of, of the program. So for anybody listening, he's played Call of Duty or watch CNN or watch Fox News. I mean, I am not kidding you. They are going to box every single plant when they go out and do the first flight, which I believe is your stand count. I showed it to a couple of customers not too long ago. And I mean, they were just completely blown by the ability for the drone and the AI. And maybe that's what we should talk a little bit about the process of how you guys actually get all the information, but how it was literally able to count almost every single plant in that entire field. So maybe dive in a little bit on, you know, how you guys get the images, because there's a lot of companies out there. And for those listening, this is not a satellite-based company. 
it is not a fixed wing company. Um, there's a lot of people out there in the space trying to develop that market. But, you know, what I think is so unique about Tyrannus is they're truly out flying the field. You know, they're not waiting for the clouds to move in the right direction. So can I explain a little bit about the process of the flight and then what you guys do with the data you get back? From so to take one step back, okay. um, commercially, Tyrannus has been available for just a couple of years, but it, it's been seven, eight years now that we've been building that library. And what I mean by that is training the machine, right? Mm -hmm. The artificial intelligence machine with hundreds of millions of images to say, this is a grasshopper. Mm -hmm. This is a water hemp. This is a, a tar spot example. And so that's really the power of Tyrannus is the the training of the machine so that we can count every single one of those soybean plants, mm -hmm. even when they're at a very small, very, very small VE stage. Right. Yep. Um, and so that's really the power behind what we can do for your growers. And so when we think about it, how do we do this? It really starts with getting the image. We're going to come out to your farm, John, and our pilots are going to fly drones over your fields. Um, they're going to capture those images. We're going to immediately send those images into the, the machine. And it's going to come back and give you the the analytics behind it so that you can take some action. And what action do we mean? Hey, you've got a weed outbreak in this area of the field yep. that maybe you wouldn't have even seen if you were scouting either from the road or maybe just walking in the field. I yep. think Dan said earlier, hundreds of thousands of data points is far more valuable than the couple Very um, that so. you grab. And so that's really the, the, the power of Tyrannus is how can we take those images, put the analytics behind them, and then bring you something back that you can take action on to increase your yields. Well, what I love about the program too is, you know, part of it is, you know, you're getting the flights, you're getting the data, but you're getting a dashboard. So, you know, if you're farming 2000 acres and then they're all in Tyrannus, you're getting a dashboard of what it looks like across all your acres. So you've kind of know like, okay, I have a true stand count issue across the majority of my acres. Maybe there was something wrong with my planter. Maybe there was somewhere, something wrong with the time that I did plant. You know, how am I going to attack this? And it really gives you some foresight into, all right, I had something go wrong here. Or maybe, you know, if I've got major issue with weeds across the majority of my acres, you know, there was something wrong with my herbicide program or there was something wrong with my tillage program or I didn't think about something right this year that I did last year. I think that is, to me, what's powerful about the tool is it looks at everything. Helps you prioritize. It helps you, it helps you prioritize. And then on top of it, the one way I look at it too is when I'm looking at the dashboard is it's like soil sample. You're taking, is it one acre grids, I believe? One acre grids. One acre Basically. grids and, and breaking the data down into one acre grids, which is, to me, extremely powerful. Yeah, and it's, it's really the first time that we've had that ability, like you mentioned with the dashboard, mm -hmm. to manage all your fields and all your farms and make decisions based on, ooh, I've got a poor stand count on field A, mm -hmm. but I've got a great stand count on, on field B. I have no weed issues, no pest issues. So if I've got money that I'm going to invest in this crop, yep. where am I going to invest it at? Yep. And know without a shadow of a doubt, there's no bias in the in the in the information, right? Right. It's it's the data is is, it, is accurate. It is what it is. It's got, it's going it, it's going through the AI, and that's the and to me that's the most powerful thing is it's going to go through the AI, and then you can dive in and actually visually visually see it. Um, I think back to the nutrient deficiencies striping on sulfur or maybe yellow corn from nitrogen deficiencies. You know, those are the things that in season, if you can make an application and make a difference, it's a huge ability. And, you know, I think that's where, you know, long-term as we look at the next level of production agriculture, it's 
How do you manage your micronutrients? How do you manage your sulfur? Such a big thing. And it's I fine tuning of, of, of the entire system, right? A hundred percent. So, I mean, I think that's what it provides to the farmer of tomorrow is really, you know, the ability to make decisions right when you need to do it without having to focus on the labor for somebody to go out and find it. And, you know, for me, when I look at it, and the reason that we're so excited about the partnership is, and a lot of people talk, heard us talk about it last night of, you know, how do you service the farmer tomorrow? You know, everybody is getting bigger. Um, there's more land that they're farming. Some of it's not always as close as what it used to be. Um, and for, you know, in that example, especially when it's maybe, you know, a county away or, you know, a county and a half away, the value of this has expanded extremely because you don't have to maybe make that extra trip down or drive 20, 30 minutes to go see what's happening. I mean, you're getting updates constantly on what's happening with that field. And, you know, for me, especially being in the ag retail business, labor, right? How do I find good agronomists? How do I find people that can actually go scout? You know, it used to be the, the intern program, right? right? Get as many interns from Iowa State as possible and cut them loose. Let them go. You know, it, it sucked. Now, God. Right? I mean, when was the last time you walked corn at 100 degrees in the pollen shed and your, oh. your eyes are, you know, you're worried about getting your eyes cut? You, you got a heavy dew and you're walking out there soaked from head to toe. And how many times are the issues that you have in a field right around the field driveway? Yeah. Uh, probably not very no. many, especially with onside of late season diseases. I mean, you mentioned tar spot specifically earlier. It always starts in the back corner of the field yep. where you have an issue. If you can catch that early by by taking a look at leaf level images of, of every single field. And of course, we'll give you a dashboard that says, here's where your spot was identified right. on this image in the back corner of the field. That's the ability to work with your agronomist at Landis. Yep. Um, and just think of how much more strength that gives your relationship between the two of you to have those conversations say, Here's what I saw. Are you taking, uh, yeah. what do are you, you think? Are you What's ready to make a decision? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be important as we continue to go forward too with, as you know, tar spot is a fairly new disease. You think about it, even if you spray, you did everything right and you still get it, you know, be, being able to understand that you do have it, you know, do I need to make another application? Do it in, and we've done a lot of research around that, that, you know, even if you didn't get it all the first try, coming back that second time, it may, you know, mentally it's like, oh my God, I don't want to make a $30 application, but it did, it does pay. And just having that knowledge at your fingertips, I think is such a, it's such a big deal long-term um, when you look at, you know, the acres of production we're going to have here in, in, you know, in the United States, we're not going to farm more ground, but we got to be more efficient with the ground we have. So, you know, and kind of, kind of finish up here, what is your guys' go-to-market strategy? You know, how do people access, how does, how does farmers or retailers access Tyrannus going forward? Sure. So 100% through retail. Okay. So we're trying to help those retailers provide that service to the grower. So if you want to access it, ask a retailer. It'll land us. Say, hey, you guys, I know you're you're in Tyrannus. I'd like to get some acres into this. That's uh it's as bad as it is. But at the end of the day, your guys' goal is to continue to partner with retail and and really not work direct with the farmer. No. Yep, it's through retail. Um, we try and set up blocks of acres yep. that are big enough so that we can be efficient, so we can get those pilots out there in a in a nice cadence, so that yep. you're getting a you're getting that information back. That field's getting flown every ten to twelve days through the entire growing season. Yep. So you know we've always had really good data in planter data, twenty twenty monitor. We've always had good data coming out of the field with yield monitors, but we, we don't have concrete data on what has happened in the center. And that's really what Tyrannus says. It fills in those chaps. Well, and I think what's important too, we haven't touched about it is I believe you guys are partnered with, is it Planet on the NDVI readings? And, 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 you know, for me, 
you know, you're going to get six flights, I believe, at the pro level. And, and we'll have that in the show notes as well as kind of explaining the flight plans of when it happens and how many times it happens. But, you know, what's also nice from my standpoint is getting that consistent cadence around the NDVI that you're getting them. Um, I think it's at three times a week, two times a week of roughly of like, okay, all of a sudden something's changed. You know, you can always kind of see on, well, there's something happening over here. And then it allows you to also, again, either scout, you know, you if you have to actually go out to the field and scout it, it allows you to be more strategic with where you're going. Or it allows you to look back at, you know, the program and really what it found or what's happening and why that's maybe changing. So, I mean, again, it's just, you know, time is so valuable for everybody anymore. It's a, it's a fast-paced world that we live in. So the ability to take this product and really utilize your time. And again, I keep thinking back to it as on the farm or at retail, it's labor. How can I, how can I eat up every hour of the day, most efficient way possible? And again, you know, I've, I've seen the interns before there's there, it's seven o'clock in the morning, they're parked at the field row and they're maybe kicked back a little bit in the seat and just trying to snooze off last night, maybe a little bit yet. You know, those days are pretty well gone and we have to be prepared for what the next venture of agriculture is. I think it's labor, but it's also taking all of this data, taking all this information and making it actionable. And that's one of the reasons we work with retail and why Landis is such a good partner is how do we make it actionable, whether it's Part drone the flight missions yep. or whether it's the satellite imagery that comes along with the package. The, the plus one of Tranis is adding those anomalies in of, hey, where are we improving field health? Where are we de degrading field health? But it, it's really the actionable, right? We make it easy to understand and point your spray in the right direction and put the right mix in the tank along with your Landis team. So, Well, and, and kind of close up, you know, my comments would be is, you know, if anybody's listening out there and they're not even maybe in our Landis geography and you're not offered Tyrannus by your local retailer, um, feel free to give us a call at 515-800-GROW on our Grow Solutions Center hotline. Um, we are more than willing to work with you if you're not in maybe an area where you guys are servicing today to get a plan together to find enough acres to make it serviceable for next year or even this year if we have an opportunity. Again, you guys are dealing with a lot of different people across different networks, being able to pool those acres together to make you more efficient and us more efficient. You know, that's kind of what we're here to do. And if you are within, I'm going to call it the core landis geography and you're listening to this and it sounds interesting, call us. Let's get the boundaries in and let's get them flown here this spring. So greatly appreciate your guys' partnership. You know, this is a partnership that's going to last for the future. Um, and uh, we look forward to bringing this technology to our farmers. So Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you guys. Thanks, Sean.